Who is it? Yeah. You're listening to the Claim of Thrones Lodgecast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2016. <laughs> Keep the change, you filthy animal. We are back on the Claim the Throne podcast. Big cheers to uh, everyone out there. And my mate Ash, who's in the studio here with me for another chat. What's cracking? Well, not a lot. I'm drinking some Hennigan's and <laughs> not in the studio at all. I'm actually in my bedroom, but it feels like we're in the same room because of the magic of Skype, right? Uh, this is pretty much the two rooms that we did record the new album in. Mm. So essentially mm. the studio. Kind True. of. Hennigan's loose as a goose. It's been yeah. a long bloody time since we've podcasted, so... Very excited to uh, be chatting to me old pal again about yeah. God knows what. I think we have a couple of interesting things to touch on tonight, but uh, before we get into it, is there any uh, any housekeeping? Album's done. Album's done. Etc. Yeah, got the uh, master back yesterday, but I just downloaded it while I was speaking to you just now. Um, so I'm going to just have a quick listen over that, make sure it's all cool, and then I think that's all done, right? Yeah, Album's cool. done. Very good. So hopefully we'll have some info on uh, the release of that in the coming months. We're not going to rush it out uh, due to a few strategic reasons, mm. which we can touch on in another episode. I'm sure. Uh, I guess the thing happening out in the big wide world at the moment, according to uh, the one minute that I spent on Facebook, is that there's a new president in America. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Let's not talk about that. But uh, it is interesting to think how this may affect musicians heading to that country uh if you're going on a tour is that going to change the situation in terms of getting a visa or customs being more strict or anything when you're going in there do you reckon it will who knows really do you i've no idea i shared that article yesterday sent it to you that ahab posted awesome band ahab that i would love to suck off (laughs) um yeah and that just is with some guy who runs a like I guess a music lawyer side project. Playamericavisas.com. Yeah, that big thing that a lot of people use. And yeah, he just laid it out exactly what's involved and it's a fucking huge process. And it actually just, like I started reading it and thinking like, oh, this article's intense. I hope it's over soon. And then just kept reading. And I was like, I can't believe that Cabba ever organized this shit. But yeah, you said mm. the takeaway from that article is that get things done in advance and that's actually the one thing i remember that you were like it it was 12 months before and you had already got a list of contacts and stuff and all that and it still was almost pushing our luck with time Mm. Uh, because i was really trying to avoid there's the thing where if um if you want to fast track your application you pay an extra 1500 bucks or something and and they push it forward for you to get it done within 10 days or something like that but there's still no guarantees, so you'd hate to have to pay that extra money and still not even get your visa approved. Um, but it was it was interesting timing that you sent me that because I'd also got an email from uh, the company that did help us get our visas um, when we went to the US last year uh, called Tamazdat, and they sent out a bulk email to all their previous clients and whatnot saying, um, you know, not, not to worry too much about the current situation in the US. They don't know a whole lot about how it's going to... Um, it's going to change the situation. It's probably unlikely that, uh, you know, they'll be too focused. The government will be too focused on on this little nugget as a, a top priority in the in the short term. But, um, you know, it's very possible that security procedures at 
consulates anywhere around the world could be um, a bit more torturous, I think, as they said. Um, so I'll definitely be very interested to see how it pans out and we'll keep following all that info, um, which I'm sure we'll chat about on these episodes. So subscribe and tune in every episode and we'll keep you posted <laughs> with any info that we know. Every nine to 12 months that we post one of these <laughs> things. And uh, we did have a whole bunch of episodes uh, last year on on booking US tours and getting visas and whatnot. So feel free to go back and listen through to those. I think episode 30 was probably the biggest one uh, on, on getting the visas. But yeah, it's a brutal, brutal process and near impossible to do without the help of a, a third party. So there's a couple companies in America that sort of walk you through the whole process. Uh, so they do the hard bits of knowing what you need, but you still need to do the actual hunting for that information and putting it all together in the exact specific format that they require you to do and it, some of the things just seem so ridiculous but they have you know the exact checklist and the points that the consulates and whatnot look for mm. um and i think yeah the the one that guy in that article you're talking about um was kept touching on um having to be an internationally recognized band so if you're just some new young band that haven't really done much touring before and you just book a few venues in america and you try to get visas for it you're probably not going to be able to mm. um, so you need to be able to show that you've done gigs overseas before in other countries or that you have you know radio play in america or you have digital distribution in america um yeah or you know if you get invited to play a festival over there or something and you have like a signed confirmation or a signed letter of invitation or testimonial letter or something like that will um will help to prove that internationally recognized thing. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it is pretty, pretty insane. Yeah, man, it's totally nuts. And then you, you sort of touched on Europe as well on that. Um, said it's a lot easier to get in there and get going in there, but big promoters don't want to know you're there unless you've got someone opening the door for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't really know cause we haven't personally done much touring in Europe area of the world but uh that's my perception and i've certainly tried to get us gigs in europe and just i don't know i just get the feeling that that they must get hounded with a lot more metal bands over there than they do in the states for some reason um or perhaps you know u.s venues and promoters know how hard it is getting visas so they're a bit more inclined to help you um so i don't know what what that's about but yeah i've been trying to get a few uh few things happening in europe and just not having any luck but I'm sure that if you did get something, you just rock up and it's pretty pretty cruisy getting through. Mm. They're a, bit, a lot more supportive of the performing arts than places like US or Australia, unfortunately. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. No, that's interesting stuff, man. Um, I think so. Um, yeah. Anything else on that? No, nah, not really. I just thought it was no. fucking unreal. And, mm. and that, I guess it shows you in our band, for instance, that, you know, we all we all do different things behind the scenes and um, some things I don't even know what the fuck is going on and they just happen. And yeah, it's pretty amazing when you actually find out the lengths that you have gone to just alone on the US thing um, as a little project turned into like something probably twice as fucking intense and epic and um, dealing with immigration than just recording and mixing a fucking shit album inside my bedroom. Uh Man, it's it's awesome when, when you do have band members that all come to the party in their own different ways. Um, 
you know, I could read a big article on mixing or something and not have any freaking clue what they're talking about. And all that goes through my head is that you've been learning about this stuff for the last 10 years, you know, put all this time and effort into it, getting software, making an effort to understand how it all works and just doing it. I'm just sitting back, watching the process, waiting for it to be finished, which is awesome. And then you have, you know, we've got someone like Dicey who go around and put the feelers out and booking tours and whatnot as well and building uh, building relationships around the place, getting radio play and getting interviews. You know, sometimes we, we'll get we'll book a tour and then he'll send an email and go, hey, man, we've got uh, 25 interviews to do this week <laughs> uh, and at all of these times, uh, which ones are you going to be available for and, you know, can you call all these people? And so he's just been spent the last, like, mm. two months teeing up all these prom- promo activities. You what go, Whoa, is he? Holy shit. That's unreal. Yeah. So definitely, um, yeah, hard to take on, on all that stuff as one person. But if you got, yeah, a variety of band members coming to the party, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, that is cool. And yeah, we've looked into um, other avenues that we'll probably talk about down the track um, of, yeah, ways of basically not. It's a funny thing when you talk about doing all this stuff, it seems like cutting out the middleman. By the way, I've just noticed that my vocal group here is called Cunt. It must bit of a <laughs> bit of a theme. That's oh, I've just noticed here that Floyd's licking his balls. <laughs> so if you can hear any slurping, it's my dog. Um, yeah, I can definitely hear his nutsack. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, a lot of people like cut out the middleman, blah blah blah, and that's effectively what happens when you do decide to take on, you know, big projects in your band or, or even small ones like little merch runs and stuff. You just you're avoiding getting people involved. Even just doing um, art for merch, for instance, you're probably saving yourself some money and getting a little bit more creative control. But it's more yep. like, um, I think we all, and we've probably touched on this before, but can't remember, we all sort of use this band as a like a guinea pig for our own lives and our own interests. And, you know, yes, it is music and it's a chance to travel and all that kind of stuff, but it's all this little life skills that we learn along the way that man i tell you if i wasn't doing some of the stuff i do in this band i probably would be just like oh i'm not rehearsing this week fuck that like be a lazy (laughs) a lazy prick who watches some hell wicked tv show (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the beautiful thing i think which we've touched on before in other episodes as well where uh you know you you get this multi-skilling you're learning skills by being in a band that you never even knew that you would learn like man i learned administration skills i learned how to dominate at microsoft excel which i would never really have been able to do otherwise or i wouldn't show any interest in it at work but when i'm learning things i go i don't know i'm thinking how i'll be able to use this in a band to make our band life a bit easier Mm. but um yeah there's only so much you can do and i guess we always talk about do it yourself and promote do it yourself but what exactly is the it part of it? Does it mean you physically have to do it? Or, you know, can we get someone else to do the album art, but we give them the concept, we have the idea, we do everything, we just get them to actually do it. Mm. You know what I mean? Still sort of DIY. Maybe it's not worth your time to do, or you might not be able to pull it off to standards. For instance, album art, like, yeah. um, you know, there's some drawing skills in this band, um, but at the, at the time we needed the art, it's just didn't fit in the schedule whereas like maybe other artistic projects over the next couple of months might be taken on by us 
I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's just knowing what you want and knowing how to get it and being able to find the right person for it. It's all all part of the process, even if you're not exactly doing it yourself. Or album. I didn't even think of this. Yep, I did mm. most of it, but we farmed out the master and we farmed out the drum engineering to Al. Mm-hmm. So he, yep. you know, couldn't do either of those things. One, because I was playing drums and the other because I can't master for shit. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess the other thing going on out in the music world at the moment, in Australia anyway, is uh, a few royalties coming into people's bank accounts. Mm. Um, so I know we were having an interesting chat the other day over the uh, computers about things. Um, and there's a you know there's a few other podcasts and a few articles and things going around and there's a lot of differing opinions on you know, how do you split the royalties in a band? You know, Does it all go to someone who physically wrote the song or to... All the performers get a cut and, you know, what even is it and how much do you get and how do you get it and all that sort of thing. Uh, do we want to talk about that somehow? Yeah, yeah. I think um, that sort of came up because did you point me towards that DW Norton podcast? <laughs> I may have, yeah. Yeah, for some reason I listened to that and DW Norton from the band Super Heist and I also listened to something else and watched the documentary on Netflix, the Eagles documentary. Mm-hmm. And both Which of I've just started. Thanks to your recommendation. Yeah. I, th- I found it really interesting. And what ended up happening is that at the start, they seem to split everything every which way. And then as they kind of established who wrote which songs or who were the dominant songwriters, they started being a little bit more tight fisted with it. And, okay, so the person who does the lyrics gets 50%, the person who writes the music gets 50%, and that is it. Unless, um, one example is a guy's jamming on a riff and they're like, that's an awesome riff. So they give him a cut, but they don't give him the songwriter, the full songwriter's cut, because, yeah, you wrote a riff, but you didn't you didn't write the song or you didn't complete the song or... If we did, well, he might get five percent or something like that. Yes, maybe or ten, twenty. Don't know, but you know, it took these guys who are songwriters in air quotes here um, to recognise that that was a cool riff and turn it into something. Whereas if they mm. didn't, it just still would have just been a riff and that's it. Yeah, and um, I, I thought that was interesting for a couple of reasons, mostly because every band I've ever been in has just split it. I've always been in five piece bands have always split it five ways. Um, Even from the first bands I was in when we talked about royalties, even though we didn't end up signing up for APRA, we would credit everyone the same in the band because we placed a lot of value on the individual efforts of each person when you're arranging the song together. Mm -hmm. Um, So you may not have written the riff, but I mean your particular style um, of bass playing for instance um you know is unique like uh take a band like death for instance that guy steve giordano or whatever his name is who plays like fretless and he's got a real unique shreddy kind of style man those death albums stick out like dog's balls and if he wasn't a part of them they wouldn't have sounded like that so Mm. yeah there's that side of it but then there's the other side where yeah most bands do have um, one or two dominant songwriters um, and yeah I just I just hit Cabra up with it food for thought and just say like you know you've been 
king of the band for all these years. What we've all obviously discussed this shit in the past, just between ourselves. But yeah, what are your thoughts on that and and these other bands doing it that way? Yeah, it's interesting, and it definitely depends on um, the scenario of the band. I think you know, if if you're just a, a pop artist and you've got a a few hit singles that are going out there, and you just get session musicians to play with you or whatever, then of course, um, you know, you're entitled to all the song songwriting royalties, um, which you'd get through radio play or live set lists and whatnot. Um, but I think, yeah, with with metal bands, I mean, if we take Obviously, we'll take us, for example, but even what we were just saying before, you know, when, when you have ultimately a DIY independent band where you have each band member is sort of bringing things to the table outside of songwriting as well, and unfortunately, that's not rewarded, monetarily speaking, um, like like songwriting is through songwriting royalties. You know, if, if we have a different band member who goes and books a tour, he doesn't get royalties for that. If we have a different band member recording the album, he doesn't get royalties for that. So the way I've always looked at it is, you know, you just split it between whoever's in the band evenly because it's a, a band contribution as a whole um, rather than each individual person's effort uh, in terms of, just the writing of the songs or the arranging of the songs or writing the lyrics or whatever. I think, you know, everyone contributes to having a healthy band lifestyle and, you know, all working together to achieve the band's goals, which means everyone's entitled to the the same amount of money, really. Um, But obviously that depends on on every different band. Not every band is going to have that set up like we do. Um, And then also my other concerns is if you start splitting the money, then everyone wants to get a piece of the pie so everyone wants their own songs to be on the album or everyone pushes to get their own riff on a song or everyone wants to write their own lyrics and then you just have too many too many chefs spoiling the broth as they would say Um, and all of a sudden it becomes about everyone having their own piece in there rather than just the best way of songwriting you know some for some bands it might be just get one person to write because the songs come out more fluent and consistent that way rather than everyone trying to get their dibs in in it a bit. And then also when it comes to playing live, everyone's going to want their own songs on the set list because that means they'll get royalties for it. So rather than, you know, everyone coming up for the best set list with the best songs, it becomes about people wanting to get the most royalties out of that set. Um, so that's that's my take on it probably. Yeah, and that's, that is super interesting because, you know, I didn't consider that when playing Devil's Advocate, but... Yeah, like you want, um, like you say royalties live as in like um, uh, live performance royalties. But there's the other thing um, that you, you twigged me on, which was, okay, so we play our song live all the time and it's the first song on the bill every night and we kill it every night and that song's fucking awesome. Then that becomes like the new most downloaded or the new most bought album. You know, like it, it's so pervasive all that stuff which is i've always been sort of like not anti-industry because i fucking live within it and this whole podcast essentially is you know trying to tie into the music industry but it's like Mm -hmm. i've always been anti-diluting something so like if if i write a song and um and i don't think it's good enough for the album i'll fucking argue to try and keep it off 
which I did actually on this album in this case and got mm-hmm. outvoted. And you know what I mean? Like, because if I don't think it suits, then fuck, it just doesn't suit. And if it's, yep. it could, you know, because that's still music. Just because I'm in this band, it doesn't mean I can't use it for something else if it doesn't get on an album and or it isn't the style of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, oh, okay, fuck, okay, well, it's going to make the album. Um, well, I fucking wrote that, so whatever. Yeah. And the way, I, the way I actually look at it is that no thing that I've personally done for this band would be what it is if it comes out good at all without you, for instance, doing vocals because I just don't do that shit. And I wouldn't know how the fuck to write keys. And like, especially when Jim comes in on bass, like it's always 20 times more interesting than what I could ever do for it. So it's only mm. one, just like the the song structure start to finish, it's just one part of the pie and pie. And if you, you know, if you don't get all that other contribution, it might actually be a shitter song for it. So yeah, getting all funny about all that other shit would be, I don't know, I can see how it would tear bands apart. And I think I did fall asleep through some of it, so you got to fill me in. But I do think that that's part of the whole Eagles thing was that, people started caring about that shit and just destroyed something that was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, that was their whole entire income pretty much. Mm. And it's not like they have other jobs or anything. Um, but I just think, I mean, on a, a local band scale, when there's so many variables that we're talking about now, so we're just uncertain as to what really is the most appropriate division of, um, of the song to do, you know, what is 5% here or there extra? When, you know, the most you're even going to get anyway in a good year, maybe if you're super lucky, like a hundred bucks a year or something each, is it really worth all the the hassle and discussions and arguments and, I don't know, the, the potential for negative effects when it's, you know, a few bucks? Different if you're, um you know, if you're touring a lot or you're playing 200 shows a year or you're selling some serious music, different scenario, I guess you probably want to think about it a bit more carefully that way, but yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, and, and that thing as well, if, if you are playing 200 shows a year, that means every band member is sacrificing their own personal life to be able to tour with you. So I would think that they're deserving of, of a fair chunk as well. Um, but I just stress, remember, the whole reason we even started talking about this is the other day was because of Bandcamp That's now right. being included yep. in um, in charts in Australia through APRA as well, which is pretty friggin' awesome. Mm. Um so obviously streaming being a huge thing now, a lot of people, you know, don't buy CDs or anything like that. So, and, and Bandcamp obviously seems to be a growing platform, Yeah, and which it should be. Isn't it interesting that we probably more regularly get a small royalty check now that streaming is a thing? I, I mm-hmm. remember the first time we got one of those things and it had some streaming royalties in it and it was like, 0.3 of a cent times 8 billion is 9 cents, you know? And and now it's, I, I reckon the majority of it is streaming rather than radio play. And so for bands like us on this sort of underground thing, and there's a lot of bands like it, um, especially in Perth, who mentioned that they're getting royalties as well. And I just don't think any of us as a whole unit would have actually been getting any, you know, streaming or... or What's it called? Broadcast royalties. I don't even know what's called. Yeah, and I actually don't even know what's included a lot of the time. Like, 
Um, I would never have thought Bandcamp would have actually been included. I'm glad that it is. Mm. But what about Spotify and iTunes and stuff? So if someone goes and streams one of your songs, that will count towards your royalties? Uh, I, no, no, no. I think we're getting two things confused. In terms of um, streaming royalties, that's just streaming Spotify, water, all the bullshit, right? But yep. because we run our own Bandcamp, then who's going to pay the royalty to APRA? It would be Claim the Throne okay, themselves, cool. right? But I yep. think that APRA, that fucking, sorry, the ARIA accounting thing is album sales from Bandcamp. Digital, okay. digital dick sales. Oh, unless it's <laughs> yeah. not even digital and I haven't read into it. Maybe it's just physical CDs off Bandcamp. Oh, oh sure. Come on. No, nah, I'd be surprised if it was not downloads also this day and age. Yeah. The, the reason I brought it up was because when I read it, briefly obviously just the headline is that um i thought okay cool so we've just done this album um let me throw it out there because i know this isn't actually our plan but now that that's a thing why don't some let's take a band like super heist for instance right they've already got a national profile they may even have some people who care about them overseas i don't know but definitely in australia why don't they release their new album for like 80 cents or like it would have cost them a lot because i think they recorded in la but um yeah like a band dw norton's a friggin producer like surely he's um got a decent deal for him just sell it for a buck or something and see if super heist can crack number one on the fucking aria charts mm. like why not so you're saying like don't sell even don't even sell cds at gigs that wouldn't count towards it no see i'd say still do that because you get pretty good money from it but if people are just going to download your shit anyway right or they're going to try and stream it off somewhere legitimately or otherwise mm. youtube is a big one that's illegitimate um make it so cheap that they're just like i like this i'm gonna buy it it's a buck mm. and you get like a whole shitload of of sales you get pushed up the ARIA charts, which then brings people to your show and you're selling your own physical product at the show. Then those overseas tours that you're trying to get on where you need label support or something like that, suddenly you've got this thing, ARIA fucking nominated band, because ARIA is based on sales, right? The awards. Mm. ARIA nominated band, ARIA charting band, completely indie fucking whatever. It's like a story, you know? So... Yeah, I think there's room there. Maybe a band like us, perhaps we're too underground, and um, and we may have just missed the boat on this one. Like, the music, the whole fucking industry has changed so much just since we, st not even started this podcast. Since earlier in the year, our podcast, the whole thing's changed, and um, yeah, I don't know. I reckon there's room for like one or two people to get in early and just like suddenly fucking. Um, I don't know, Chainsaw Charlie and the Chocolate Cha Cha Factory <laughs> have a chance of actually charting before some before like um Shannon Noll gets onto it and does <laughs> the same thing, and then thirty thousand Shannon Noll fans buy a, a thing and he's suddenly top of the charts. Yeah, well, the awesome thing about Bandcamp as well, which we always talk about, is the name your price thing. So there's nothing to say you couldn't release it for zero dollars, and. You know, if people really can't afford it and they're planning on watching it on YouTube anyway, they may as well just get it for free off Bandcamp. But the people that would feel guilty about that will give you five or ten or twenty or more dollars. You know, maybe you can have two versions of it, get a few free things if you pay a certain amount. But if you don't have money, 
take it from here anyway. Yeah, I can see Neb Liviscari so, jumping on this right now. <laughs> we'll see. We predicted it. Yeah. Simpsons did it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think that's fucking pretty interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but don't on that as well. Remember my podcast, probably the, one of the last ones we did, where I talked about how much money I've um, spent on merch and CDs this year. Yeah. Um, and you said, keep me posted. Well, <laughs> yep. I'm posted. pretty sure I have not bought a single CD or T-shirt since then. Really? No, because what happened... Uh, look, I'll be honest, I probably have bought one or two, but for the sake of the story, let's say I bought none. My Apple Music, which I just signed up to for free, that mm-hmm. started taking money from my account and I was intending to cut it off because I thought I'd never use it. And it is now the biggest thing in my life and I'm literally <laughs> using it more than I've... like. I'm listening to music now more than I have ever in the last fucking five years, I reckon, because of it. Yep. I'm getting and finding things that you would never have known about, I guess, as well. Oh, I read an article on the internet today about some dude's top 10 fucking guitar songs or whatever. And I just like jumped on the old Apple Music, added it to my playlist. I've listened to all of them three times already. And, you know, that's three streams for those bands, which, um, you know, I have my theory about the difference between like royalties you get from a CD purchase and streaming. Um, I never would have. I probably would have looked that shit up on YouTube or something yeah. before if I just wanted to like see what the hell this guy's talking about. But yeah, yeah, everything new Dillinger Escape Plan um, CD, they're breaking up and they said that's their best CD they've ever done and they're ready to just call it a day. And I was like, oh, fuck, I wonder how good the best is and just had a listen and knew. Um, yeah, I did the same on Spotify, actually. Listened to that Dillinger album because oh, yeah. everyone was talking about it. They're a band I've never understood and I still don't after listening to that. But nonetheless, yeah, good on them. Yeah, so it's cool. It's so accessible these days and you've been cranking the Spotify. I have. So the thing I like about iTunes or Apple Music that you're talking about um, is if you've got an iPhone and you're on your music app in your phone, you're automatically also in Apple Music. And if you download something, it just goes into your music file. Is that right? Yeah, you add it. So there's a little plus button. You add it, and it goes into your, like your as if it was yours. As if you'd put it on there from the computer or whatever. Yeah, and you can choose to stream it. Or let's say um, I recently went on a sabbatical to Tasmania, and we had Wi-Fi at the hotel, but not on the road, and we're doing a lot of driving. So I downloaded uh, ten albums, legit, on Mm -hmm. Apple Music from the cloud um, and it's my understanding that all of those plays because I listened to every single one start to finish and all of those earned a royalty for the the artist I listened to music I otherwise wouldn't have yeah. and didn't have to fuck around with um, uploading shit to my phone or whatever yeah. and um, yeah it just worked out really well but I don't th- that's not free you know that right yes so do you pay for both Apple Music and Spotify? I don't use Apple Music at the okay. moment, so one or the other for me. I did the trial for Apple Music, and I did enjoy it, but then I also did the trial for Spotify, and I preferred it. Yeah, okay. So why do you prefer um, Spotify? Uh, I don't... Well, it's funny, because I've always been an album guy, right? So I don't like listening to just one song of a band here or there or putting my phone on shuffle or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I've never liked that before. 
However, I'm really enjoying the playlist feature on Spotify and mm-hmm. the um, like they've got you know, like a discover section or browse or new releases. And the more you listen to things, the more it understands you and it, it's like every recommendation it ever gives to me is perfect. And so, I don't know, you put on a playlist or, you know, recommendations or, you know, the songs of the day or songs of the week or whatever they decide to spit out at you. And it's, you know, it might be the third song in on this shuffle playlist and it just like really takes you back. And so you just click in there, click on that band, and then all of a sudden you're listening to that band's album in full, Mm. which I assume you can probably do the same thing on Apple Music. I'm not overly sure, but I just get the feeling that the algorithms on Spotify are particularly awesome um, because it just seems to be working out for me pretty well. Mm. Um, And I'm just enjoying getting an understanding of how it all works because I want claim the throne to appear a bit better on spotify because we've just got a really shit set up on there so i'm just enjoying sort of trying to learn it and understand it and stuff it's pretty hard to use as an artist to be honest to even be able to get access to update your band's page and update your own profile picture and all this shit Hmm. plus i also love logging on to spotify and every day seeing that razor ray is listening to his own (laughs) band metal 24 7 that's pretty it's cool. got like a um <laughs> a social feed like it would on um on Facebook or Twitter or something whoever so you can follow people or they follow you and they see whatever you're listening so you know I would follow people like Razor Ray and Smitty and just know that I'm going to get awesome ideas of what to listen to What does Smitty listen to? Uh actually I don't follow him on Spotify oh, but that's on my to-do list okay. whether he's even on there or not. Yeah. But I'm um, just mean hypothetically that's what you can do. Yeah. So you know and you you just I think you can even find an album that you love, see who's listening to it, and then follow those people and then see what else they're listening to. And then sort of when you go into your Discover page, it'll show you all the things that you've been listening to lately and then it will give you recommendations of other bands based on, you know, similar bands to Catatonia, similar bands to uh, Borknagger, similar bands to The Haunted Made Me Do It. That's how you were listening to Borknagger then. (laughs) Yeah, I came across them because I was listening to Agalock a lot or something. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> or Dim- no, Dimu even, I think I had, I must, oh, it, no, I'll tell you exactly what it was when you were telling me to listen to that Dimu song yeah. during yeah. mixing, and yeah. I did, and then it said, you would also enjoy Borknagger, and I did a lot more than I would Dimu. Interesting. Because yeah. of ICS Vortex, Sleet sprays exactly. my face. Yeah. <laughs> when I sent him that message, <laughs> I said, oh, um, Cabba just messaged me. He's he told me to listen to the new Borknagger. Is that even how you say it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. But he um he goes. I knew my vortex sense was tingling or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking makes me laugh. Eh? Anyway, anyway, that's probably about it for us, eh? Yeah, sounds about right. I guess we'll do a um. A fucking recording wrap up and a bloody what we're doing bullshit thing fucking whatever you know sometime no no no. oh if you want next episode we need to start pumping out some more episodes we've been been off the grid yeah totally um Um, and hopefully we'll have more news on it all soon but yeah anything you want to chat about read the recording far away far away um i just realized i transferred 90 dollars to the wrong bank and i can't fucking um transfer it into this account I wanted, so I'm going to have to do it again. Oh, that reminds me I owe you some money. Really? Yeah, for a sound guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, sure, cool. I'll do that right now. Yeah, no, nah, um, yeah, 
sweet as. This is how being in a band works, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, you forget you have money. Yeah, money. Not easy. No, it's not. Speaking of getting more money. More money. Hashtag marketing, marketing, marketing. Yeah. If anyone uh, wants their band's online presence reviewed for a sweet five bucks or a review of your band biography or get Cabba from Claim the Throne to write you a worksheet, head to fiverr.com slash CTT. I'll do all sorts of shit for you for five bucks. So that's Fiverr with two R's dot com slash C-A-B-B-A-C-T-T. Fucking look out. Do you want to know something that's sort of related but not? Have you ever heard of the Australian Public Service, a.k.a. working for the government? (laughs) I'm aware. Yeah. um, Well, technically, we both do at the moment, but it's the state government. Well, I was just sort of just mucking around the other day and notice that there's a website called uh, apsjobs.gov.au. Make sure you fucking check it out, people. And I stumbled across this ad, which was really interesting, and I hope it's still there so I can read it to you. It is... Oh, there we go. Social media advisor in Sydney, executive level one. Australia is looking for a social media advisor to join its media team. Anyway, I read the thing and I thought, fuck, you could do this, Cabba, you fucking freak. <laughs> Ongoing full-time, 94 grand to 105 grand salary range. And I was like, that would be interesting. Ever thought about doing something like that? Oh, the problem is, man, as soon as it's a job, it's just not fun anymore. Yeah, guess, okay. I don't know. That's what I get worried about. Same as music. I don't want to work in music because then it's just a chore. But also, I'll go for an interview like that and they'll be like, so what sort of um, social media marketing experience do you have? And you're like, like, well, <laughs> hashtag you know. Fiverr.com. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've got an advertisement on Fiverr, uh, which I also cross-promote on my podcast that gets three listeners a week. Hello, Nettie Noodle and Oliver Noodle <laughs> and fucking Silent Night Stew and Razor Ray. And, uh, oh, and I know how to uh, use Hootsuite and share uh, a post <laughs> over two pages at a time. Yeah, that's pretty funny. So Fiverr's not even your website. That's like a thing where you can... It's funny. It's only a thing I've recently Fiverr. given the time of day to find out what it is because um, I don't even know why. I just stumbled across it. But there's just so much shit you can get on there and um, get for five bucks, whether it's, I don't know, the, everything from... Oh, actually, I think I was looking up some sort of marketing shit on YouTube and this, and some guy mentioned it saying the things you can get on Reverb Nation and he showed a link to some advert on Fiverr and for five bucks, someone would get you like 20,000 uh, visits to your Reverb Nation page in 12 hours and that would also include pressing play on any videos that you have on your Reverb Nation page, which means you'll get those views on YouTube as well. And I was like, that is dodgy as, and then it makes me realize how all these weird, unknown, obscure bands on Reverb Nation get to number one in their city. Yes. But anyway, so then I was just stumbling through Fiverr and just seeing the sorts of things you can get on there, all sorts of, you know, jingles for your podcasts or programming or advertising or friggin' funny shit, like really bizarre stuff of like, you know, people will write your name in the sand and take a photo and send it to you for five bucks or... Um, actually one of my friends has got a present for his dad's 50th or 60th the other other few weeks ago, um, of a guy that has one song 
but he's recorded it like a thousand times or with different people's names. So you just type, he just types his dad's name in, pays five bucks, and this guy sends him a personalized song to his dad for his birthday. Uh-huh. Um, but then I was just seeing what sort of, uh, what sort of music opportunities there were for, you know, music marketing. And there's a few little dodgy things like that reverb nation thing, but in terms of getting like, you know, realistic feedback on your own band online and stuff like that, there's pretty much nothing. Hmm. So hit me up if you can. I need some reviews. And it's a bit like an eBay or Airbnb system where you do get reviews and views and the views and the more and the more and the more five star reviews you get, then the higher you go up on the list, it's easier to find your shit. But uh, the cool thing is, I guess, you know, it's five dollars for these things, which might take you a little while and it's barely worth your effort, but you can do um, different tiers. So, you know, like, for example, I'll review your band and tell you what you look like on Facebook. You know, do you have the right image or, you know, a good biography or, you know, do you have a website or what I recommend you should, what social medias you should join or whatever on the internet. But then I can say for $10, I'll do it in two hours. And for $15, I'll actually rewrite your biography for you or whatever. And you can keep going up these levels. So the longer, a lot of people have been doing it for a long time. And so they, you know, they'll charge $5 to do fuck all, but they'll actually then suggest, you know, they'll give you a full consulting session for $200 and they make their money that way. Yeah. And for $60, you can get handwritten guitar tabs. Something like that. You know, yeah, there's people that will actually tab all your songs as well, which was interesting. Yeah, fucking right. Yeah. So imagine you're a band, you write a song, you can't be fucked putting it on Guitar Pro, but you want a tab. <laughs> you give it to someone, they figure it out and they tab it for you. <laughs> That's so lazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But hey, I mean, if people are good at it, like if you've got yeah. any random skills, sign up and do it for people, you know. It's probably a good way as well just to like hone your skills and perhaps... You know, like, not that we're saying, like, you never know, man, it could fucking take off for you. Like, it might <laughs> you might do that, sure. It's like being in a band. It could work, fucking whatever. But, yeah, you could use it the same way we use the band as, like, a guinea pig for some shit you got going on. Totally, yeah, which is my idea as well. Yeah. Just experiment things. See if you actually enjoy doing it for other people before you get into that industry full time. Mm. You know? So for, and hey, a lot of us out there who have tried to do our own little businessy things before, including social business social on hashtag social business social.com, um, <laughs> Cabba's former inc- incorporated company. Um, yeah, you end up working for free a lot of the time anyway. And um, yeah, I, I've been, definitely been there where I've like undercharged by a mile just to get some experience and it ends up turning into a grueling fucking three months or something but yeah you know so maybe a fiver where the stakes are a little bit lower they know that they're only in it for five bucks is pretty cool idea for sure yeah 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 they're not going to expect some full-on top quality stuff album of the week the haunted made me do it come on really yeah you've been smashing that yeah riffs and energy too good Jesus Christ. Also may have got Jim into it. He was never into it? I don't think he so. Know, he knows that shit pretty well, though. Yeah. Really? Nonetheless. Nonetheless, fuck, dude, I don't have anything. I've been on a bit of a tear listening to, of course, as I always do, listening to podcasts. Um, heard a couple of pretty interesting interviews on the old music business facts, but actually I've been listening to Metal Sucks podcast mm. interview with 
uh, the guitarist Ben from Dillinger Escape Plan regarding the band just fucking breaking up when they probably don't need to. Yeah. Um, that was pretty interesting. And also a Devin Townsend interview that was pretty cool. But aside from that, man, I've been just jumping around bands lately, a bit of everything. So yeah, wicked. Apple Music is my band of the week. <laughs> cool, man. Well, let's hit it. Thanks for listening, Stu. And I uh, hope the rest of your shift goes all right in the van out there. <laughs> Cheers. We've been Claim the Throne, claimthethrone.com to stream all 58 episodes.